Welcome to the Mark Groves Podcast. I'm your host, obviously Mark Groves, that would make sense. And on this show, we explore human psychology, why we do what we do, and how do humans connect, and how do we create really thriving relationships, and how do we have a thriving relationship with ourselves. Please subscribe to the podcast, because that really helps me out and also allows you to get all the updated episodes with experts in all areas of human psychology and just general thriving in terms of life. Also check out my website, www.markgroves.tv, to learn more about me and why I do what I do. Welcome. I have one of my good homie best friends, Ivy Kwong. Where I'm, so we were discussing how to introduce what you do, and man, you've you've changed what you've done over so many years. That I love that you know I, I heard this thing from Russell Brand where he said that allow your identity to be fluid, mm. and man, you have done that. So um, <laughs> I guess for the listeners who may not know Ivy Kwong, she is a self love and connection coach for codependency. Is that correct? Yes, it is. And marriage and family therapist trained, did sex therapy. Is that true too? Yes. Is that mm-hmm. So we got humping and relationing and <laughs> uh, also moonlighted for a little while as a dominatrix. Yeah, for 12 years, not quite moonlighting. So that's uh, a long moonlight. It was. It was a very long moonlight. You know, it, it just... In the context of what that was, just I founded something called transformational domination, which blended BDSM ritual with psychotherapeutic elements, but wasn't actually therapy. So, yeah, domination was an interesting world. People are like, "Oh my god, is it sex work?" I was like, "No, never that for my clients." So there's a lot of I'm writing a book right now that kind of goes into that whole world. But for 12 years, it was fascinating having a window into the lives of people who were, you know, just carried a lot of shame and guilt about different parts of who they were and just providing them with a safe space to be heard and seen, accepted and celebrated for who they were was gratifying in ways. And also, um, I'm evolving. So yeah, it's, it's fascinating, of course, because it then becomes like, You know, I think in a way we choose our work in order to heal ourselves, Mm. in order to, like, we become the teacher we needed, you know? Right. We do that through relationships, we do it through career, we do it through whatever it might be that we take on as passions. You know, to, I think for people listening, like for me, I, you know, I always used to just nerd out on picking your brain about (laughs) this because, like, when I think about someone who seeks out a Dom, Mm-hmm. I think of someone who's usually in like a high power position, you know, who then fetishes or fantasizes in some way about being submissive. You know, you see those weird mm-hmm. like fetish. I say weird, which I don't mean judgmentally. It's just weird from my experience of like people right. who dress up as babies and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, that's that's yeah. infantilism. Right. I mean, that's that's the stereotype. And that was definitely probably about 90 percent of my clients where you have the the politicians and the CEOs and the attorneys yeah. and the physicians. And That's they, 90% of your clients though? Yeah. 90% of my former clients who would basically have a lot of responsibility and a lot of things that they're in charge of and just wanting to surrender and let go and not have to think and not have to make a choice for themselves and just kind of be told what to do. And in a, in a way, it was almost like a remothering because a lot of these men are in the position that they were because they wanted so badly to achieve, achieve, achieve to earn their parents' love, you know, their mother's love, their dad's so love. So the trauma, you know, I guess the early child trauma that they're trying to live to uh, heal, just mm-hmm. <laughs> not really healing it because they just keep reliving it. 
right. of, of like, I'm going to achieve so much that finally I'll be accepted and loved by mom, dad, or, or whoever. That yeah. Was. By the world. Right. You know, it's this endless need for validation externally through the cars or the zeros in the bank account. And so with me, there was very much a, please tell me exactly what I can do to get your approval. And so I'd be like, sit and then go chase this ball. And they'd be like, woof, 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 woof. and I'd be like, good boy. And they'd be like, happy and like, you know, and just, it was very sweet. Like so much of it was very loving in terms of like child in them. Yeah. Yes. There's a lot of that, a lot, a lot of wounded children who just didn't get the love and there's a desire to be seen and to be accepted as you. I know that we all want to be loved. We all want to be accepted. We all want to be understood. And I think for my clients, it was, they came to me for that understanding and for that to, you know, just to be seen. What's so interesting that it's two different poles of their life. Like one is the extreme Mm. where they're overachieving. And of course, Mm -hmm. for anyone who's a perfectionist, you know, that's an ever moving target. You achieve the thing and then it moves. You never actually get to achieve anything. Nope. Because there's no celebration. And then there's always the underlying question of, do people love me for me or do they love me for what I've achieved? So there's still this imposter experience where they never get the feeling of the wound, which is of course the trick of the subconscious. And it's like, Oh, you want that thing? Let's get you to try to get that thing. And then the addiction is really to the wound, not to the healing of it. A billion percent. And that's codependency, right? That's looking for something outside of you to fill that hole within. And the only thing that can fill that hole and to make yourself is to become whole. And the only one who can do that is is ultimately you, you know, in any higher power if you're into that kind of thing. So would we see this sort of experience with a couple, let's say, now traditionally as a, what percentage of your clients were male? Um, when I was a dominatrix, I would say maybe 95% were male. And then I'd have maybe 4% couples and 1% women. Okay, yeah. So we see, because what I'm fascinated about from like a male masculine perspective is trauma is often, especially sexual trauma or those types of things, often just manifest in a different way in men in that we either become like hypersexualized, which can happen with women, of course, too. Mm-hmm. Like. You know, if someone, if a young woman is abused sexually, at least in my experience, they don't tend to be abusers, you know, not as much as like when a male gets abused, there can, I I would imagine there's a higher percentage of, I don't know the research on it, but just based anecdotal and, you know, what I've heard. Is that true? Do you think? I think when women, when women become, when females generally from what I've seen experience professionally um, and personally, I mean, when women become abused sexually, they learn that early on that, you know, their, their skin is not a, an effective boundary, you know, and that their, their bodies are not their own. And so they, from what I've witnessed may not necessarily have a higher propensity to become abusers. However, they do abuse themselves. It's an internal abuse. Mm. So it's more of like, an internal abuse. And then, because what I was wondering is, okay, so you have this dominatrix slash submissive role, you know, between client and and Dom. Mm -hmm. And then if that was to manifest in relational experience, does that happen where like the man who's in that scenario will then be dating a woman who's hyper-masculinized, powerful, dominating? Like, is that also what happens? Or do they tend to take on that very dynamic role? It depends. So there, there tends to be, so if you, if women, you know, just from my experience in my practice who have been abused tend to either seek out more abuse 
you know, just because then there's almost, uh, I've seen a lot of this when it comes to sex and love addiction, you know, they'll, they'll seek out people who are maybe like the abusers in the hopes that maybe this time someone will protect them and keep them safe, you know, in the, in the hopes that this time will be different. Maybe they can love them enough or have sex with them well enough so that they can keep themselves safe. But that what's actually happening is they're further traumatizing their bodies by repeating that, that trauma again and again and again in different ways with different people and not ever being able to heal that because once again, it's looking outside of yourself for something to heal that wound that can only be addressed within. And so in terms of relationships, you know, you asked if they maybe go to people who are really dominating. It varies. I think half, half, 50% become the ones who have to be in control and who have to be the ones who can leave at any moment because it's safer that way. Vulnerability and mm-hmm. that thing. Yeah. So there's yeah. like and, a and, more of an avoidance. Yes, an avoidance. And versus, you know, some who do go for the really dominant, you know, male partners who will tell them what to do and how to be. And it feels safer for them than to have to make their own decisions because when they were younger, didn't have a choice to, they were harmed. Mm. It's an interesting dynamic then. So you can have, so that would be, because that makes me think of, okay, well, if you're going to be with a partner who, you know, it's part of this sexual experience where you're going to be, you know, experienced sexually, you're going to perform and get approval or whatever Mm -hmm. the subconscious is seeking. Mm -hmm. So we do that through more like less vulnerable sexual experiences. So the Mm rewounding becomes that sexual experience is like, I'm not allowing vulnerability and depth. I'm, it's, it's almost like we're having sex with a stranger again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and oftentimes there's a separation between sex and love. Like I will have sex with you, but I won't care about you or won't like you or won't let you get close to me. And those who I love, I can't have sex with you because I don't understand sex to be what that is. You know? No, because they're not normally associated. Exactly. And right. associating them. Well, I guess that would cause a lot of, <laughs> that would cause your mind to be like, well, that's weird because I had sex with someone I didn't love. So yeah. that, like it felt violating. Ooh. Yeah, but and that's the- where the healing is, right? That's what everyone wants, you know, at the core to have that, to to be able to have sex. And into, I mean, maybe not everyone wants that, but at different stages of their journeys. I mean, ultimately, you would think that you would want to have intimacy and want to be vulnerable, want to feel, you know, safe with your partner sexually and otherwise, sexually and emotionally. And of course, you know, like it's it to, to be able to, not because I guess for me, what has been an interesting experience is to, I, I was in my younger years, really open to depth and connection and love and monogamy, just, you know, it just monogamy, but like deep love came very easily to me in some ways, because I did have a, a, you know, really good childhood. I was really blessed. Mm-hmm. And when I got traumatized from a breakup, Mm-hmm. that's when I actually disassociated love and sex, you know, because love hurt me. Mm. But then my only way of seeking validation was sex. But then as mm-hmm. soon as sex got to like, as soon as relationships got like, I, re- I can, I can remember laying on the couch with this girl. She had said to me, I'm starting to like you. And I was like, Bleh! like, I felt the like shut down wall, like mm-hmm. peace out. You want too much. I'm not. Mm-hmm. And, you know, consciously at the time, of course, like people listening, ha- I would imagine many people have experienced that and being on both sides of that, perhaps. But but especially if they're on the side of the, <laughs> the girl who was on the couch, I didn't know, you know, like I didn't know what I was doing. And I'm not saying this as a tell all I'm now going to feel healing from this experience. But I think if you're on the other side of it, we often think like that was vindictive and that was, but I literally didn't know that heartbreak was causing me to disassociate sex and love. And my story in my mind went to when I let people love me, they destroyed me. 
Right. And, and that was what you knew at the time. And, and the thing is, you were doing the best with what you knew at the time. You know, oh, we, I mean, I wasn't doing that great, but I was doing the best I could with what I had. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. So there's an element of having compassion for your younger self that you were just trying your best with the tools that you had. And you weren't intentionally trying to be malicious or hurt people. It was just you were hurting because you were hurt. And the more awareness you have, the more work you do, the, the more you can heal yourself. And therefore, once you know better, you can do better as you are now. Yeah. Well, you know, it was so fascinating to look back and see that like the, the hurt pattern spread. Like mm -hmm. I was hurt by one girl recovered pretty, I'd say pretty well. And then went into the next relationship with again, a sort of unavailable woman. So there was some wounding there and then got cheated on. And that was extremely painful. Mm. And it's what I made that mean right? Like I wasn't worthy of being chosen. I wasn't worthy of being, where really like now I understand that you should never put your self-worth in your relationship status or in someone else's choice of you. Keep your right. self-worth to yourself. Yes. Your worth and your value as a person comes because you're, you have breath, you know, yeah. you have worth, you have value because you breathe. You're perfect as a baby and you're perfect as you are now. Well, it's amazing how beautifully we'll talk to a baby and a child, but then the voices we even share to ourselves, you know, <laughs> you know, it's mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, to listen to people's self-talk, it would probably all make us cringe that we, that us ourselves talk to ourselves that way. But if we were to listen to someone else with the same language, we'd be like, no, don't. Right. Yeah. And even our, I, I do a lot of, I do a lot of inner child work, right? Because I think that inside of all of us is our one-year-old selves, our five-year-old selves, our angry teenagers, you know, mm -hmm. our, our selves now. These are all parts of us and they all still live inside us. And sometimes if we're not aware, they're running the show, you know? So in a lot of relationships, it's like, my child is in this relationship with your child versus two adults being <laughs> in a relationship so with each other. Yeah, it, it happens. Well, and the child really wants to connect. And, and yes. I think when people can understand this, like in my own journey of understanding this, was seeing that the child, I mean, adults want to love each other deeply. No one wants conflict and withdrawing and abuse and anger. However, it's, uh, it's that patterning from what we've experienced when we're young, you know, like where has love led? Where has a conversation with this intensity led before? Because mm. it's always old moments living in new moments till we take responsibility for the old moments and how they show up today. Right. And sometimes it's still, I mean, we're drawn to what's comfortable. And if you sleep every night on a bed, that's a squeaky old mattress with springs that are popping out and poking you in the back and it's lumpy and uncomfortable. But if you have slept on that bed, if you've lived that for the past 10, 20, 30, 40 years of your life, when you move over to a healthy bed with a pillow top, that's really plush and comfortable, <laughs> you're going to want to run back to the old bed because you're just not used to this new like healthy place. So it's, it's, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot, you can have the awareness and then it, it takes just continued compassion and growth and, you know, one step forward and two steps back and two, you know, it, it's a process and it's a lifelong process. Yeah. The onion gets bigger. I was laughing thinking yeah. like, Oh, whenever I peel the, another layer of my awareness and understanding, I'm like, fuck, this onion mm. isn't taller. <laughs> like, just lesson. There's and, so much here. Yeah. I love what you said about the mattress because it's such a great analogy and metaphor to say like, as humans, we are more comfortable living in the familiar of pain even over uncertainty. And I had this conversation with Dallas on episode one, just like this idea that we are in a way the wound's familiar and the story behind the wound's familiar in that it's like, everybody leaves me. 
And that's more comfortable than someone might stay in a lot of ways. Right. Because that's an unknown, right? And you're afraid of the unknown. And if it's never happened, it's easy to go back to what's always happened versus risk stepping into whatever this happens to be. And you won't know unless you experience it. You won't experience it unless you allow yourself the space to try it, which is really scary. It takes which a lot of courage. So much courage and trust. But of course, it's like, well, how do I do it? And it's like, well, you, I can't tell you till you do it. You know, like, I can't tell <laughs> yeah. you what's on the other side till you do it. And mm-hmm. And man, my heart goes out to all the people on the edge of a decision that feels scary. And, and I know like, you know, you and I met five years ago, mm-hmm. five years ago yeah. when I hadn't started writing yet. It was all sort of like a birth of, of coming out of that edge. And, mm-hmm. you know, to think back of how scary it was the first time I posted publicly about love, you know, mm-hmm. and then to look today and my experience now of like growing up getting, going and doing a finance degree, which I, you know, needed to do because mm-hmm. it was practical. So I could make thousand dollars a year and get mm-hmm. married and have kids and take care of my partner and my family. Everything was very like, okay, I'm going to be part of this story. I was taught mm-hmm. and get a safe job. I worked for 14 years at a company. And then when it, when I finally stepped into fear and the unknown and like really trusting, I can't not live there anymore. Like, now I choose things because they're scary. Because I, <laughs> <laughs> I, Yeah. I, is this going to push me out of my comfort zone? Does this feel, if you do the same thing, you're going to get the same results. If you want different results, you have to do something different. Well, and, and people are like, well, telling someone how you feel is scary. And I'm like, yeah, fuck, of course it is. <laughs> of course, because you might get rejected. <laughs> you might, but the birth of the rejection comes in not sharing. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you are afraid of abandonment and rejection, the very things you do will likely cause it. And if we don't share actual feelings, we reject ourselves. So, you know, in a lot of ways, we're the constructors of our own wounds too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we maintain them. Sometimes we fight to stay there. And that's where you're at if that's where you're at. But once you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, it's time to do something different. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And so if people are, you know, Alan Watts has this great thing where he says, you don't have to get broken to want to fi- get fixed. Like <laughs> you don't have to wait till it hurts so much that you need to change. He's like, you can wake up right now. Yep. You know, if you just want to wake up right now, you can wake up right now. You know, like if you want to quit smoking, it doesn't take two years. It takes the moment you say, I'm going to quit smoking. Mm-hmm. I choose to do to stop now. And I choose to do something different now. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's a choice. It's a choice we have at every moment. I guess like from the perspective of the listener, and of course, because I want to nerd out on it and understand it, is now your work is in self-love and connection and uh, more focused, at least at this point, on the area of codependency. Yes. So what would be the nature of codependency? Because I, you know, at least in my own experience and thoughts, I feel like we all can have mild parts of codependency too, that we can sort of deviate to. So for the sake of the person listening, it's like codependency. I wonder if I'm that. And I'm like, yeah, you probably are a little bit. So what, what is that? <laughs> so codependency, I guess my definition of codependency is the dis-ease of the lost self. So meaning maybe when you were little, you were taught that how you are is not acceptable. And in order to receive love and attention, you have to be a certain way, do a certain thing. You know, you become a people pleaser. You're like, I want love and attention like we all do, especially as children. So what do I need to do to get it? And if it's something that 
you have to, you know, a mold that isn't necessarily your shape that you have to squeeze yourself into to be loved and acceptable, then you do it. And then this perpetuates and happens again and again and again. So when you're in a relationship, you essentially dissolve. You're like, um, oh my God, you love the Patriots and meatloaf and water polo. I love the Patriots and meatloaf and water polo. How amazing. You know, we have so much in common. Patriots. Such a a standard. Do you love them for Tom Brady or do you love them for the football? I mean, it's such a toss up. It's such a toss up. What can you do? But yeah, so it's like you lose yourself, you dissolve in your relationship and you don't know who you are and what you want because who you are is defined by others and what you want. You've never had that. Yeah, you've never had it. You've never been encouraged to develop that. You've never been given the space to breathe into that, to feel into what is that? Do I, do I want to be a vegan or do I want to be a vegan with my partners? Like, you know, what no, is... I don't want to be a vegan, by the way. <laughs> maybe you do. Maybe I'm maybe. just kidding. You know. But what do you want, right? Regardless of what society says is okay or your family or your partner or your friends, like what is it that you want? And, if, and is it, you know, just if you don't know because you've never had the chance to really tap into that, then that's, you know, that's different degrees of codependency. And I think to some degree, you know, everyone's a tiny bit like, I want to please people. I want to make people happy. But at the same time, the codependency to the point where it becomes unhealthy is, is if you're compromising yourself. Or if it's abandonment of self in order to gain the love of others. Yes. And if you're drained, you're exhausted, you're tired, you're resentful, you're bitter, you're frustrated, you're doing it from a place of fear as opposed to love and inspiration, that's that's the difference. So this is common, right? Because, mm-hmm. and I, okay, so before I lose this thought, the idea that, you know, when these people are depleted, you know, in relationship and they tend to give and give and give and give, right? Like the mm-hmm. classic codependent, oh, yes. right? And codependents <laughs> tend to link with addicts and mm-hmm. sort of, Oh yeah, and they I, I can fix addict you. Parents, Let right? me fix you. Yes, they yeah. tend to come from like one addict parent, and mm-hmm. at least the one, and then they have the enabler. Usually, the other parent is also codependent. Yep. Okay, mm-hmm. so the pain patterns persist, of course. So, so we inherit this experience on some level from our parents, and so yeah. we step into these relationships where we're going to help and like help this person achieve their potential. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. I see so much potential in you. Let me help you actualize yeah. it. Let me give up my own, yeah. you know, in some sense, but then they do and do and do, and then they get fucking pissed mm-hmm. because like no one's taking care of them. Mm-hmm. No one's like, and everybody listening who does this, you know, you, if you're sitting there and you're like, fuck this guy and his podcast, <laughs> you should keep listening. So, because of course, whenever anything pisses me off now, I get curious. I'm like, okay. Stay in the discomfort. Be right? in the discomfort. Don't run away from it. Sit in it. Like Because I hear this a lot, right? With yeah. not, not from Kai, but from <laughs> but from relationships of clients that I'm working with where it's like, well, I do and do and do. And I'm like, hold on. Who makes you? You know, like and in some cases, right? There's dominating and making. But for the most part, there's not. And And so then we resent other and then we're not responsible for ourselves. Right. Like in the book, Codependent No More, which is a fantastic book. Who's it by again? Pia Melody. Pia Melody. So what I loved that she said is she's like, no wonder addicts do drugs and drink so much. Codependents drive you crazy. Mm. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Codependent No More is actually by Melody Beattie. Melody Beattie. Yeah, it's Melody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was when I heard that, I was like, ooh, that's a, that's a sharp one. Right. Like, Mm. then it goes, okay, well. They blame the other for their behavior, but really their behavior is the choice and they use the other to enable their choices too. 
Right. So, so basically in those, in those types of relationships, the givers give and give and give and give and, and hope one day so fervently that that person's going to give back. And that they're going to, if I save them and take care of them one day, they will take care of and save and rescue me. And there's an, a frustration a bitterness and an anger and resentment that builds up when that doesn't happen. Cause the person, you know, who's a partner is like, I'm happy to take, 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 take. And I'm this black hole, take, 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 cause you never show me you have any needs cause you don't have any. Right. And the co is like, yeah, I don't, I don't have any needs. I'm just here to take care of your needs, which is not sustainable. So, so is this like I, a low maintenance chick or guy? But I'll say chick because you just hear that. Like, I'm so low maintenance. <laughs> right. And so I don't have any needs, right? Like, I'm cool with everything. I'll just go with the flow. And it's like, wait a second. <laughs> if you have no needs, who are you? You don't exist if you don't have any needs. You don't exist if you don't say no to something. Because if you don't know where you end and someone else begins, that's not being in a relationship with a person. That's being in a relationship with a mirror reflection of yourself mm-hmm. that isn't an actual entity. Right? I love how you said, if there's no distinguishing part between where you end and they begin, right? Like mm-hmm. there's a meshment mm-hmm. meshed within. And mm-hmm. it's such a beautiful, hey, I want everyone to know who's listening that, man, I have lived all of this. And, you know, it's like, what I love about this work is it's not judgmental. It's not, Mm-mm. it's like, let's fucking just wake up. Let's just go, okay, that piece is a bit of me. Because relational self-awareness, you and I talked about this a little before the podcast, like the ability to understand yourself is the most, and be open to it, is Mm -hmm. the most important thing you can do. Yeah. I mean, anyone who's listening to this right now is obviously at a point where they're curious, like, hey, what's going on with me? I want to learn more about me and these things. And they say, right. (laughs) Well, obviously. (laughs) So we'll talk about that later. Mark. But, um, but yeah, I mean, if, if you're at a point where you're like, wait a second, okay, I'm getting uncomfortable because that means that something is touching on something that maybe rings true and maybe I don't like it, but wait a second, if I don't like it, then maybe that's a sign to me that it's time to, you know, reach out for some support and to, and yes, this is worth it can do alone. And for those who've been always doing things alone, it's okay to reach out for help and for support. And for community. to have a need, right? Like yeah. even the reaching out for support is the healing of, yes. because it's saying like, maybe I don't like, you know, I've, that's always the point of like waking up for me was maybe what I'm doing isn't working. Mm-hmm. And so like in this moment to say, I am open to getting support myself because I can't fucking fix the world, right? Like yeah. I can't. And, but by fixing myself, I help fix the world. By healing myself, I help heal the world. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so in the context of this codependency and these relationships, so you talked about wholeness earlier. Right. I love that. It's like healing yeah. is about integration of self and the idea that there's no space between where I end and they begin. Mm-hmm. So it's the first part, because, you know, when I think of wholeness, I think of boundaries, right? I think of, and when I think of that, where I end and they begin, I think of boundaries and I think of like, and I think of, um, independence, but I think we are, especially women right now because of the message sent to women, like don't depend on a man, don't let a man. Mm. I think there's very often this, this confusion between walls and boundaries, right? Right. Like walls, keep people out boundaries, teach Mm. people where the door is. Exactly. And, and so is the, the first part of healing codependency or, or even just for someone who's like, wow, I don't really take care of myself and have needs. And 
And like, let's just not call them a codependent. Let's just call them other dependent. Mm. I gave another word that sounds the same, <laughs> but isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, is is the first step boundaries? What is it? I think the first step is self-esteem. Because if you don't believe you're worthy of setting boundaries, you're not going to set them. So self-esteem and self-worth first. So how do you cultivate that? Right. Then? So one thing you can do is, well, first of all, just recognizing that you have value because you breathe. Mm-hmm. You have just as much value as someone else because they no more, no less, right? A child, when it's born, when she or she is born, has value because they're breathing. They're, they're a human being. They're in, they exist. They deserve to take up space. So realizing that you deserve to be here no more, no less than anyone else and cultivating that by these next, I guess, few steps. So all of it is not independent. It's all interdependent, right? As we are. So self-esteem, you can continue to develop that by recognizing your worth and also by being in your reality and having your own reality. And so by that, I mean, who are you? What do you want? What do you like? What do you think and feel and need. So getting like radically fucking honest with yourself. Yeah, totally. Not not what your you know partner thinks about you, not what your parents feel about you, but what do you think? What do you feel? You know, what are you what do your what are your values? What do you believe? And who are you? What is do you like watermelon? <laughs> do you like to hike? <laughs> or are you just eating it because like, you know, your mom's giving it to you or your sister's telling you that you should like it or your partner's like, I love watermelon. You're like, me too. And you're like, I eat watermelon. <laughs> so it's like be first have your own reality, right? Like really be like, who who am I? And what do I want? And they seem like such simple questions, but it's like, wait a second, do I like and want that? Cause I actually like and want that. Do I want to be this person? <laughs> Cause I want and like this person or because they want and like me so much. Man, really step into that because I had a client once who I remember I was like, you don't have to go on a second date with someone you don't like. And I'm not even kidding you. Mm-hmm. She's one of my favorite people. She was mm-hmm. like, I don't. And I was like, no, no, you don't. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't like Brussels sprouts. I don't eat them. Like, you know, it's, it's obviously a very logically easy thing to understand, but there's an emotional part that drives it of like, maybe we have given our way ourselves away to people who, you know, that we're like trying to earn their loves. We're okay with being with people who don't love us or who aren't great to us or whatever. But yeah, it's, so in that idea of radical reality, so like getting really real about yourself and for people who that might feel uncomfortable with, it's like, you can just just like freaking dump it out just journal just write it out. write out whatever the fuck you want mm-hmm, mm-hmm. get it all express but if it. you never expressed a need that can be real scary it can even writing it even thinking it it can be daunting but there's you know the time to start is now if you're you ready know, like to. kai and i when we first went on like our third date i remember she said i asked her what do you need from a relationship and we were hiking in um red rock and she's like, I don't need anything in a relationship. Like, why would anyone need anything? I'm like, oh, Lord. Like, oh, no. Um, okay, here we go. I'm hiking with Beyonce over here. So I was like, independent. Da, da, da. So I was like, so you know what's so beautiful now? Because no one had ever asked her that before. Mm. And it, hey, let me be clear. I'm not the savior here. I never mm-hmm. asked that of girlfriends when I was younger. Right. So, so this was a developed skill just from understanding in my work. Well, it's because you want to know Kai, right? You want to know who she is independent of you, but at the same time, you want to be able to like see her and acknowledge her reality. 
You know, like you're like, oh, cool. You're a separate person. I want to know about you. It's no fun if you're just like, a if you're me, you know, like. No, right? Like I want, I love, I'm like, I love her because she calls me on my shit. But I, and I've always loved friends like you mm-hmm. who, like I keep people around me who keep me real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like I have no interest in surrounding myself with people who are like, yeah, we all like the same things and puppy dogs yes, and ice cream. Yes, I love puppy same. dogs. Yes, Don't get me wrong. All, yes, no conflict ever. Conflict oh. Healthy conflict is important. The thing is, so many of us are scared of conflict because conflict was really scary when we were kids. But yeah, conflict, conflict led to her pain, yeah. to physical abuse, whatever it was. But and, you can have healthy conflict, you know? You oh, can, I mean, it is, you know, it turning conflict into intimacy, right? That's the yes. skill. That's the it can game. bring That's... you closer. It can be such a good thing to for intimacy, for uh, emotional connection. Well, it's so beautiful to see now, like we've been together a year and a half and she's, I mean, let me tell you, she's got needs now and there's no problem <laughs> expressing yes. them to me. Yes. So that's what I mean. It's like, you can learn it. And she was so courageous to do that. And she's taught me so much about expressing my own. And so it's been, so I, for people listening, like, I just want them to understand that it's not like where you are aesthetic and it's a pushing a big rock up a big hill. It isn't, it's just courage. And I think it is really important to have a partner who on some level, you know, is able to create, well, it's hard to do. It can be challenging create an environment where feedback isn't received as criticism. Because often when we hear what I need from you is this, the person hears how I am is not good enough. Right. And man, that's a hard one. You know, like that's again, a learn because my nervous system is designed to get defensive. <laughs> so yeah, so we for all me, are. when I would get that feedback, I'd be like, what do you mean? I didn't, you know, <laughs> that's, we're immediately, are you shaming or blaming me? And if there's that feeling that you want to defend, so I actually have, I'll share this later, but I learned this beautiful exercise, you know, this, this past weekend, how to how to build emotional intimacy with your partner or with a friend, you know, just with anyone, especially for those of us who haven't had that, like, how do you even start? So I'll share that later. But what you're saying brings up boundaries, right? Which brings up the next kind of ingredient in the recipe of of being a whole person. Owning what's in your hula poop. This is my experience. This is my reality. This is what I I want. And you're in your hula hoop, right? And so I'm not going to tell you what you can think or say or do. I'm not going to try and control you because I'm going to realize that that's you and this is me. And I can tell you how I feel and I can request things. But at the end of the day, I can say yes to things that I want to allow in. I will say no to things that I don't want to allow in, you know, to anything, my emotions, my body, my life, my anything. And it's a practice of identifying I like this. I want this. I'll allow this in. I don't want this. I don't like this. I will not allow this in. And boundaries are healthy and boundaries are important. And boundaries will build your self-esteem because you start learning, hey, who I am deserves to be protected and honored and respected and to exist. And so when you create a boundary, you start existing as a human being. An mm, independent I like human. that. You create identity. Mm-hmm, exactly. And so is that the part, because at least in my experience of, of that too, is that's the part that causes integration of inner child of saying like, yes. now I can honor the needs of my inner child because yes. as the adult who maybe didn't protect me or, mm-hmm. you know, was an addict or whatever it is, mm-hmm. I now am not that I'm a fully functioning adult who can honor the needs of this child 
Is that the, the sort of like integration piece? Absolutely. Yeah. There's definition about who you are, which allows you to be a defined person in the world. So oh, isn't that nice? You get to yeah. like the team you like, you get to do the <laughs> shit you want when they're like, let's watch football again on Sunday. It's like <laughs> fuck football. Like I'm going to go do something cool that girls do or guys do. <laughs> and some girls like football. But yeah, like if, if you're, oh, yeah, yeah. If I, you're was partner, very, I was very gender. Very, that's totally, but if we're, if you're you know, just continuing that analogy, it's like, Hey, let's watch football, babe. It's going to be so great. You know, come hang out. And you're like, Ooh, you know, that you can tell, you know, a friend of mine says this a lot. You, what makes you feel open and what makes you feel closed? When you're saying yes to something, your body feels open and it's energizing. When you want to say no to something, your body suddenly feels tight and like clenched and closed off and it, it doesn't want to do it, you know? And so often our bodies have such a strong reaction, but out of our mouths comes the exact opposite, right? You know, oh, your body's like, no. And then you're your like, mouth yeah. is like, yeah, let's, let's do it. I love football. You know, and inside you're like, no. You're dying. You're dying. Right. So part of it is also integrity, right? Integrity being defined as being consistent, what you think, feel, say, and do. Integrity is my favorite thing on the planet. Like <laughs> that to me is, I can like sense energetically someone in integrity. Mm. No problem. Because yeah. to me, and I only could do that when I got fully in integrity, which yeah. I think for people to understand too, is what the, are the borders of your integrity? I kind of think like being in alignment is being in integrity with self, with what your dreams are, with what you want, with mm -hmm. you, whatever your desires, your passions, wanting to watch football or not. Mm -hmm. And, and we bump the borders of it kind of like a bowling alley, you know, mm -hmm. with bumpers though, not gutters. Right. right. And yeah. <laughs> so I, you have to sometimes, almost all the time, step outside of, or rub the ridges of your integrity to know what it is to, mm -hmm. you know, that's where I like look back and I look at that disassociation of sex and love. Mm -hmm. And I was so out of integrity. In a lot of ways, it took me like 12 years to figure that out fully when I'd like shower with guilt. And my friends in college, we used to say that if you had a hookup or a one night stand, you needed to wash with shampoo because mm. you had shame. Oh, <laughs> man. Shampoo. Yeah, right? <laughs> oh. yeah, right? yeah. And I remember shampooing my head and thinking like, this doesn't feel good. I mean, the shampoo felt good, but the, the like feeling of guilt and shame from like, from sharing my own sexual energy with someone who maybe had different relationship intentions, who wasn't honoring themselves. Like it's just a dirty connection. Yeah. It feels yucky. It feels yucky. You know, if you check in, you know, what you're thinking, feeling, saying, and doing, right? If in your mind, you're like, Ooh, I know that they want something that I don't want. And in your heart, you're like, Ooh, I know that they expect something more. And your mouth is like, Hey, really enjoy connecting with you and bodies like, let's have sex. Then you're all out of whack, right? Yeah, and that's just so, not going to feel good because you're not fully aligned and it's a closeness. Well, no, and learning that, cause I, what I used to do is even in my like discovery of dating and not discovering dating, but in my discovering, figuring out how to figure out if someone is a viable partner and all those different things, right? Like I'm going on dates with them. Does this align? Does it not? When I was disassociated or at least didn't have a healthy relationship with sex, I would have sex with them to see if they were a good connection mm -hmm. as opposed to waiting for all the 
alignment to say I should have sex with them now because they are like that was that should have been the one of the last steps of connection but it happened to be snuck in the front because I was more addicted to orgasms than I was my integrity right well I mean I think part of it is like I think a lot of people now use sexual intimacy hoping it will lead to emotional intimacy yeah isn't that so true that I will use my body as a gateway Mm-hmm. in order to get them to love me. So mm-hmm. I see this a lot too with this misalignment of intentions where someone says, mm-hmm. I don't really want a relationship. And the other one goes, I don't either. Mm-hmm. But really they're like, yeah, I do, fucker. Watch yeah. this. Secretly, secretly, if I lure you in with my vagina, then you'll totally want to be like, with me. Or, I'm you know, my penis. blow the shit out of him. He's going to come so much everywhere. <laughs> and when I do that, he's going to want to be with me. Yeah, he's going to love me and respect me and care about me and cherish me and all of these things. Yeah. yeah and it's but- not up to the other. And now we're generalizing and uh, heteronormatizing yes, this. Yes. So in any context, I think we would go with like the more masculine and feminine characteristics. And it's like one person doesn't want a relationship. The other one does. It's not up to the one person who said, I don't want one. Mm-hmm. It's not up to them to figure out your secret plan. Because mm-hmm. right? it's a secret plan. You're good at secret plans. So how would they fucking know? So then we have this person who's like blowing and humping or going down and chowing on the cookie, mm-hmm. trying to get a relationship when the other person's already expressed their true intention. And I would argue that that is just as manipulative as someone mis lying and saying they do want a relationship when they don't. It's actually the exact same thing. Yeah. You're mismatching your intention to manipulate. Mm-hmm. And the idea is I will do this thing and they'll love me. But the other person's going to their friends like, you wouldn't believe this. Like, I'm having the best sex of my life. And this mm-hmm. person doesn't even want a relationship. Right. And they're like, amazing. And how did you do that? Does he or she have friends? You know, like. <laughs> right. Which brings us to the integrity. next. Integrity. Yeah, integrity. And which brings us, you know, back to the another ingredient of the recipe of self-love and self-worth is knowing what your adult needs and wants are and getting them met appropriately. Like honoring your true deepest intention. Right. I need what, what are there? You said there's six. So knowing if, if your adult need and want is a relationship with someone where there's love, respect, emotional intimacy, and connection, getting them met appropriately wouldn't necessarily be leading with sex, right? Because that's where the manipulation nope. comes from. No, that would not be FYI for those listening. And if my 27 year old self is listening, <laughs> could you please pay attention and take notes of this fucking particular part? Right. It's almost like uh, the people pleaser that I think you want sex, which will give me love. So I'm going to try that. But if your adult needs and wants are, hey, I want a relationship of integrity and emotion intimacy and honesty and straightforwardness and real, you know, connection, then how do I get them met appropriately? Maybe I get to know you as a human being and decide if I like you first, because right now, maybe you're a stranger for just our dating. And maybe I need to get to know you to see if you're someone who I want to even have an emotional or sexual relationship with. Are you worthy of that? Are you, you know? open and available? Are you open and available? Things? Yes. Like, yes. Like ooh, so important. You know, I encourage a lot of a lot of the people I work with just okay, so inside of this circle is it's you, right? You exist inside your boundaries. And then in outside your hula hoop, right? And then outside of you are your maybe two to three closest friends, the ones you can call it four in the morning and be like, I need help. And they're like, I got you, you know? And then mm-hmm. outside of that are your really close friends. Outside of that, friends, acquaintances, you know, social media buddies, you know? And, and then beyond that are strangers and the public, right? Like people who you don't know. 
And I found that a lot of times with codependency, there's a meeting someone in the general public, you go on one or two dates, you're like, oh my God, this person gets all access. I love them. Yes. This person gets all access past my heart, my soul, my spirit, my body. And it's like, wait a second, this person is still a stranger. Like codependents tend to fall fast. There is sometimes a predisposition and a pattern of projecting all this fantasy onto this new person who's going to be everything you've always wanted and needed. The knight in shining armor. Exactly. You know, but first, but first I have to save them so they will save me. You know, there's, there's some of that dynamic going on. So, you know, knowing your adult needs and wants and then asking for them to get met in an appropriate way. Like, hey, I don't know you yet. Um, I don't have sex with strangers. So let's hang out and get to know each other. I want people to know that when any woman has expressed that type of boundary, I'm like, you are the sexiest person. Because they all of a sudden have such self-worth and respect. Mm. They're like, no, you're not invited into what. I don't think they could say you're not invited in my hula hoop because that would be <laughs> sexual. But it's like you're not invited into this space yet because you haven't earned the space. Yeah. And men, oh, that's like already I see that they are someone of high self-worth. So I can't like if someone's someone who fucks with people, they don't fuck with people who say shit like that. Because mm-hmm. they, they, they can't. They can't. Exactly. Yeah. And like I think for people who are listening, especially younger me, is there's the idea of, okay, you actually can say, that's not okay. I'm not okay with that. And I love how you were saying, like, it is so important that you express what you're ready for. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're not fucking into it, that's okay. Because not every person you have a connection with, you have to have a relationship with. Right. Because there's a difference between wound connection and chemistry mm-hmm. and rational, logical connection and chemistry. Mm-hmm. Right. Until we say no to the wound, we won't actually, I, you know, I feel like the boundaries thing you were talking about that builds self-worth and self-worth build boundaries and mm-hmm. all that. It's like when you start to build that, you start to not be attracted to the old pattern. And then you start to see that chemistry was really unavailability or addiction or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and like attracts life too, right? So the more work you do on yourself, the more you're like, wait, that doesn't work for me anymore. You'll just start attracting different people. You know, the woman who's like, Hey, I don't have sex with strangers. I just want to get to know you better first. We'll attract someone, you know, who's in a space where, where you are. You're like, Oh wow, that's hot. I like that. You know, versus a guy who's like, Oh, screw you. I don't get sex on the third date. I'm peace out. Oh man. If you make somebody wait, guy or girl, but let's just, let's be real, mostly guys in this situation. And I'm not being judgmental. I'm just being real that if we just want a Humpty hump, we, we won't, <laughs> you can outweigh us, but a guy who really wants to be a partner with you and really open up, although the vulnerability might, you know, get scary for both people mm-hmm. at that sense. I don't want to dismiss that, but someone who really wants to share partnership and get to know you will always wait. Yes. Now, I'm not going to say that they might wait till marriage because that's like a whole oh, right, other, right. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a whole other issue. Yeah. That's a, that's, we're going to have to go down the religious drain another time, but yeah, you know what I'm saying? But, and also waiting, not in a manipulative way. Cause I know that he's going to value me more like, because I value me like, yes. this, this, like not cause I'm gonna get what I want, but because this is what I want and this is how I want it. Period. Yeah. And, yes. Like, and, and for people, in the spiritual community, we would say that you're raising your vibration. 
you're mm-hmm. changing yeah. who you are and you'll attract other people who are that way. Right. But in just the scientific understanding of language, mm-hmm. if you are having different conversations, you will invite different people. Because if you mm-hmm. say no to someone who's not your jam, you will create a space for someone who is your jam. We call that raising vibration and spirituality, but in science, we call that changing a fucking pattern. Yes. You know? um, and so, and I so it doesn't matter what camp you're in. <laughs> Both camps are right. And one, mm-hmm. they actually dance in hula hoops and the other one, they, I don't know what they do with hula hoops. Probably nothing. They probably <laughs> judge. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Okay. So that we got, okay. So we had, what are the steps to adult needs? What were the adult needs? Okay. So. So now are we talking about codependence and how to become whole? Or are we talking about adult needs in a relationship? Yeah, the adult needs in relationships. Yeah. Okay. Right. So what do you need in a relationship to like a need, not a want? Like I want a certain height. I want us to both like snowboarding. Like those are wants, right? Those are what you mm-hmm. want. About. What do you need? What do adults need in a love relationship that will make it sustainable and where you can grow together? And I'll just list those out right now. If you want to have a discussion, we can go deeper into them. The first need is fidelity, right? So in order to feel safe and honored and mutually respected, there's sexual and emotional fidelity. Okay. So I like that. We need sexual and emotional fidelity. Fidelity. Okay. Second is cooperation, a willingness to cooperate and to work together as a team. Third is communication. So clear, honest, loving communication and integrity, which may involve, you know, loving conflict resolution. Next is respect. So respect for yourself, respect for the other, respect for the relationship. Once again, you have value because you breathe and also you have a right to your opinion and your experience and your reality and I respect that that's your reality. And I may have a different reality and that's great. And if that's the case, boundaries, another Adult need is boundaries for both partners to have boundaries to be separate entities. So they're not like, I just want whatever you want. What do you want to eat? Mm-hmm. I don't know what do you mm-hmm. want. I don't know what do you want. I, I don't know, you know, like boundaries. I want sushi tonight. Awesome. I want Mexican. Okay, how about we have sushi tonight, Mexican tomorrow? Great, you know, boundaries. And then the last one is commitment commitment to each other, commitment to the relationship, commitment to yourself. And ultimately, knowing that no matter what, you have each other's backs. So, okay. So I think this is important because commitment being encompassing of emotional and physical fidelity. Yes. Commitment to truth, commitment Mm -hmm. to honesty, commitment to being our best selves. Mm -hmm. And I think this is an important distinguishing. There's a really beautiful, amazing article from a guy named Mark Manson that's called The Law of Fuck Yes or No. Yes, I love that article. Yeah, he's a brilliant writer. If you guys don't Mm -hmm. follow him, follow him. I subscribe to his site because his writing's just great. And what's interesting about it is people in the middle of, let's say, a 10-year relationship slash marriage slash partnership, whatever that looks like, will be like, well, this isn't the fuck yes. Mm -hmm. And I think the important distinguishing factor is your partner's not always going to be a fuck yes. No, sometimes you're going to hate your partner. Sometimes you're going to want to like, you know, (laughs) run away and be far, far away from them. For a while, right? Especially if they Dutch oven you, like you got to get out or keep the blanket closed. But but I think all joking aside, they're not really that joking, is we can't expect that, but we can expect that the total choice of partnership and the commitment to that is, even when things get a little challenging, which they're going to, Mm -hmm. I'm still committed to this. And like when we, when we get scared and when I do something wrong, you're not just going to leave. 
Right. I'm not going to accept abuse. And outside of, you know, abuse, if we've committed to each other, and we decide we want to do this, then we're going to be there for each other and try our best and do our best in good times and bad times and challenging and fun. It's all going to come along. And that's yeah, and I think how you that becomes it. like, oops, sorry, what were you saying? Oh, as, as I said, that's how you build intimacy. That's how you build emotional intimacy and trust. And so love. then you're like, oh, I can go deeper with this person. I trust them. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think the caveats to that without getting too into them, because we'll just have to do it another time, mm-hmm. is sometimes our por- partners, we wake up in the middle of a relationship and we haven't been committed to growth and we don't know why we were doing what we were doing. And all of a sudden we're like, wait, I want more. Sometimes our partner needs time to catch up and the grace to grow too. Mm-hmm. And other times they just don't want to. And mm-hmm. and that's okay too, because that's that your own okay. decision. Right. That's their reality. Right. And that has nothing we can't associate that with our self-worth. Right. You know, so I, I like never want to say that marriage or commitment has to be forever because you also can't abandon yourself right. to be with someone else. Right. And that happens a lot. And and I also think that in this sort of like stage we're in we're sort of like caught between two camps where we have our grandparents generation and parents for a lot of us Mm -hmm. um and great-grandparents their generations are like stay through anything that's my old person voice (laughs) stay through anything you have to fight for what you love and in some sense that's true but Mm -hmm. i think if people leave too soon now which maybe they do but that's again their experience not my not me Mm -hmm. um i think people stayed too long because they didn't have the choice before right you know, like we have a lot of women and men who stayed in relationships because the fucking court had to approve divorce. Mm. Isn't that bullshit? Mm. Like, like some group of probably old white guys was like, I don't know if this divorce has uh, any factual stance. Hmm. I'm leaving my mallet up. You will stay married <laughs> and live in hell, right? Definitely. No, an old white guy. You don't get to. But now we have freedom. And that's mm. a big thing. And I don't think we all use our freedom. Because we just don't know. And we inherit our parents' lack of freedom. Right. right. So, And with freedom comes choice, right? And every day ah, you can wake up and, and choose. Yes. And every day you can wake up and choose your partner and choose to continue the commitment or choose to have conversations if something's not right and make decisions from there. Yeah. I, I mean, I changed from this like idea of I expect us to last forever. Mm-hmm. I changed that to being an intention for our relationship to last. And that intention becomes every day I will be my best self. I will show up and speak truth and honesty. Mm -hmm. And I will share all the conversations I don't want to have. And just by design, if that, and she shows up with, or he, or if whatever your relationship connection is, but in my relationship, that if she does the same, the best on, and sometimes that's watching Netflix and saying, I need time to myself. Right? Yeah, totally. Thank you for taking care of yourself. That's great. Yeah. And, and knowing that th- that makes it more likely to align because I don't expect us to last forever. I'm willing to do the things that create that live to the intention of being my best self, which, you know, ideally leads to us building a family and, and having that. But it doesn't mean I would never want my partner to abandon herself for me. You know, and that's, that's why I'm more committed to her love and her growth as a soul than her need to be with me. Right. Or to change or fix or have it look a certain way, which actually, if, would, do you want me to share the emotional intimacy exercise with everyone? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
please. So th- I, w- I, I learned about this from Dr. Donna Bevanley, who's an amazing psychologist who specializes in codependency and sex and love addiction. And she, she taught me this emotional intimacy exercise, which basically you can do with a partner in a love relationship, anyone who you want to develop deeper emotional intimacy with. And the rule is this, each person's going to take a turn and there is to be at the end, there's no discussion allowed, no questions allowed, no further talking about it allowed. The only thing you're allowed to say after one person goes is, thank you for sharing this about yourself or thank you for sharing this with me. So what you basically do is every evening you can do a check-in with each other. And the check-in involves the following eight experiences. And for people listening, I will put these in the show notes. So check in anger, pain, sadness, fear, shame, guilt, joy, and loneliness. So if you were to do this with Kai, for example, and you were to go first, you would share, you know, okay, Kai, um, today I felt angry when blank. I felt pain when I heard you say this. I felt sadness when this happened. I felt fear when I read this. I felt shame when this thought crossed my mind. I felt guilt when I did this. I felt joy when I experienced this with you. I felt lonely when this happened. And you're honest and you're raw and you put it all out there about these eight feelings and experiences that you've had. And Kai sits there and she listens and she says, when you're done sharing, thank you for sharing that about yourself. Mm, and then no response, just no response. No. What do you mean you felt fear when I said that to you? No. What do you mean you felt guilty? What? No, none of that. That takes away from the safe space that you're creating for each other to be known. The purpose of this is not to change. It's not to fix. It's not to be, it, it's not to go in there and be like, okay, I need to understand everything. The point of this is to be known by your partner and for your partner to know you and for you to know more about your partner, because this is their reality. It doesn't matter if you agree or disagree. If it triggers something in you, save that for yourself to deal with later. But this is so you can know each other more. And so, you know, you'll take a turn, your partner will take a turn, you'll say thank you. And then if you want, you can like hug or hold each other and just understand that the other person is someone who wants to know you, even if it's scary or uncomfortable, you know, and ultimately this is your reality, this is your experience. So here's a way for those of us who grew up in households where it wasn't safe or okay for us to have anger, pain, sadness, shame, guilt, or to express it, you know, here's a chance. Hey, your emotions are important. Your reality is valid. I want to know who you are and I want to you know, feel closer to you by understanding you more. And I don't need to fix it. It's not my job to change it. I'm just here to listen. I think for people to, if they've never done this or it sounds daunting, that it is such a developed skill. It like is. It is it's pretty advanced. Yeah. Yeah. Relating to other people is a skill and right. it, it will develop it because we might be like, I don't know if I felt like what was, because we'll associate what feeling is anger. And we might never mm. use the word I'm angry right now. Right. Oh my so, God. So this brings up step one, foundation baseline. What do you feel? And you can begin to identify that by checking with your body. Cause even if you don't know intellectually what that might be like, cause you weren't allowed to have your own feelings or experience, start listening to your body. And once you start paying attention to your body, it'll tell you a tightness in your chest, you know, maybe that's fear. 
a burning in your in your stomach and a clench in your shoulders, maybe that's anger. Where you know, where does anger live? Where does pain live? Where does sadness, fear, shame, guilt, joy, loneliness? Where does all of this live in your body? What color is it? What does it look like? Does it have a, a sound? You know, like just starting to pay attention to your body, which holds your emotions, which holds the keys to so much wisdom. Mm-hmm. And and this practice, if you're committed to this practice, you don't have to have you know, anger, like if you're like, I didn't actually get angry today, you're like, but I better give an example. You don't, you don't have to. <laughs> right. you, you, you'd be like anger. Oh, there was no anger today. Like, don't yeah, like, that. well done. that's okay too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, that wasn't my experience. I, I didn't experience any shame or guilt today. I felt a lot of joy and that's great. You know, you don't need to have like something for me, but it's like a check-in, you know, like, Hey, this is where I'm at. Yeah. And for couple, or sorry, for single people, this is just a great self check-in to like yes. what situations today cause me joy, anger. Again, it's relational self-awareness. We're building these muscles. So, you know, like what I think is fascinating too, is we'll say, oh, oh, like I'm just not good at talking about how I feel, which when we identify that way, we don't have to do it. And so I, I always challenge people to say, tell me that you are good at it. And they're like, I am good at talking about how I feel. And I'm like, they're like, Ugh. and I'm like, yeah, because now what's being demanded of you like if you identify that way, now you, you got to do some shit. Mm-hmm. And you know, if, if you and I were talking about how good, man, I had a Ben and Jerry's ice cream the other day. That was like, they had three peanut butter chocolate flavors and I was losing my mind. Uh, so OMG. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, vegans, dairy ice cream was, today. um, but yeah. So I, if you were to describe how good ice cream tastes, people don't have a problem. Like they're like, yeah, and it was chocolate and when it hit my lips, oh yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> but but when it's emotion, it's scary often because we're saying, here's this part of me that I'm not really sure what you're going to do with it, uh, but I trust you enough to hold it. Uh, that's scary, right? It's so vulnerable. It's so vulnerable. Yeah. And the invitation invites the demonstration. Someone's got to go first. Yeah. And then demonstrate, and and I don't think it's fair that always the same person goes first. That's right. also great feedback to give. Like sometimes I feel like I go first, and that doesn't make me feel like you're showing up. You know, yeah. sort of same well, as me. Turns. I mean, there's a beautiful quote I think by Brene Brown that says, "Vulnerability is the first thing we look for, and the last thing we lead with." So, what if we led with it? Mm. Is that funny? Like, I want to be vulnerable. And then I'm like, we'll share that. They're like, I don't want to be that vulnerable. <laughs> like, like, I wanted to have vulnerability that was safe. And I'm like, yeah, or like, I like the taste of chocolate ice cream, but you don't want to say I'm feeling hurt right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and so often we don't share our needs, often because we don't believe that we are worthy of having them. And if they get met, we'll start to believe we're actually loved. Yeah. And to me, that's the scariest thing for people is to actually receive love. Because yeah, if they the receive love, mm-hmm. they got to believe it. Mm-hmm. And that means they're seen. Yeah, that woo. means they're seen. And we're definitely woo. back on this now. Like this was, <laughs> woo! Okay, so <laughs> now we need to figure out where do people find you? So tell them where... Where do they get Ivy Kwong? <laughs> how do you spell um, Kwong? Like Kwong could be K-W-I-A-N-X. What is uh, it? Close. Um, so Ivy Kwong, I-V-Y-K-W-O-N-G. And you can find me via my website, which is bareivy.com. And um, you can email me, I, uh, thebareivy at gmail.com. And Ivy is I-V-Y. Yeah, I-V-Y. So we're at that time have real cool names like Talon. And, <laughs> you know, no, so. just regular Ivy, like, you know, poison. Yeah. 
Okay. So perfect. Like, like poison ivy, but not as painful. Yeah. Really wonderful. And <laughs> Thank yeah, you. it's always such a pleasure to jam with you because you have so much knowledge and so much experience. And it's just real. I think for the people listening, we jammed on so many different subjects and I implore you to, uh, I really implore is that I, yeah. I want invites. Yeah. You you go check out Ivy and to see what she's up to. She runs Kai, Kai and I went to one of her events in oh, Seattle. Hell that Baker. was just okay. phenomenal. Yeah. It was really cool. If you're in the Seattle area or Vancouver or whatever is around there, Oregon ish areas, go check out some of her events. They yeah, are the events are at uh, shellbreaker.com. So you can get They're so that. great. We <laughs> loved it. It was like about what was it redefining intimacy? Um, yeah. It's about how to connect more deeply with yourself and others experientially. So, it was so cool. Yeah, it's yeah, a good like, time. Thanks for coming I out. I stared you guys in people's awesome. eyes that I was like, I don't, I actually don't even know you or your name. And I just saw you for the first time and I'm staring deeply in your eyes. Mm. Yeah, it was really cool. Really cool. Um, okay, so thanks so much for being on the podcast. And um, we're definitely going to be jamming on some more stuff next time. Um, so thanks a lot, Ivy. You're welcome. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the podcast. If you really enjoyed this, please consider sharing the episode with your friends. And if not, just sharing the podcast itself because everybody is interested in relationships, whether they admit it or not. So you'll be doing them a favor. I would love your feedback. You can just head to my website, markgroves.tv, like television, to leave a comment for the podcast. Join me next time as we find out what it is that makes humans amazing lovers. <laughs>